Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, our brand performance podcast, where we connect and collaborate with other self-sustaining entrepreneurs, authors, and experts. Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, your Chief Inspirational Officer. I like to say when we perform, we get paid. This podcast focuses on the areas of confidence, mindset, leadership, and performance, which all lead to increased revenues and sales. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. This is our brand performance podcast. And today it's really exciting. We have Heather Monahan with us. And who is Heather Monahan? Well, Heather is a best-selling author. She is a keynote speaker. She's a TEDx speaker and the founder of Boston Heels, which is going to be exciting. We're going to jump into that. So having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for almost 20 years and one of the few women to actually break that glass ceiling, and that's where our conversation is going to go today. You have a uh, TV show and you are the um, publisher of a, of a new book, The Confidence Creator, and your Heather's new show is this Creating Confidence. And so I think people know clearly based on that description where the conversation is going to go. And um, give us your insight, Heather. How did you get into the space of what you're doing today? And um, why is confidence so important? Give us the feedback on your platform. Sure. So uh, about two years ago, I was fired from my job in corporate America. I had been promoted three times consecutively within the same organization. I was the chief revenue officer responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars. During my tenure at that company, I had more than doubled the company's revenue annually. When I initially began, we were billing about a hundred million. And when I left, it was in excess of 200 million. I'd won a lot of awards and was constantly given amazing feedback. And when the CEO I worked for for 14 years became ill, he elevated his daughter to replace him and she fired me immediately. And in that moment, for the first time, I really had to reassess how I was evaluating confidence in my life, contributing confidence in my life. And a lot of it had been coming from my paycheck, my title, my employees, my staff, my team, and awards and recognitions around the industry I had worked in. So when I felt that I had lost everything that day, I really had to determine a baseline, a starting point to say, intrinsically, I haven't been managing my confidence. I need to recreate it. And what are the steps I'm going to take to make that happen, which essentially is what my book Confidence Creator is all about. It's a compilation of my lowest moments and how I learned to create confidence within them and how the reader can too. And that's really what started me down this new path. Why is confidence so important? I mean, Heather, you've you've shared an amazing story and no question. I always like to say a setback is a setup for a comeback and you had a huge setback. So in that phase of like really understanding confidence, like what, how did you, how'd you tap into it? And why did you know that that was so important for you? I just knew that I wasn't feeling confident in that moment when I was fired. And that was the biggest difference from where I had been in more successful times in my life. And when I started to evaluate and look across my life and across my track record of success, the times where I was doubting myself were really those low moments in my life and my career and my personal life. And I started connecting those dots to understand that if I wanted to have a fulfilling life, a successful life, 
Setbacks don't always, you know, create setups for success. I've seen many people take setbacks and not pick it back up again. So given that opportunity, you can go one way or another. You can stay stuck, you can go backwards, or you can advance. And I knew that at 42 years old, I wasn't ready to just roll it up and and hang it up that I wasn't done with my career or pursuing my passion. And I had a good sense that if I could find a way to create true confidence within me, not external confidence, that that would be the difference maker between me making it and not making it. Absolutely. And you know, they say that the definition of confidence is the purity of actions produced by mind free of doubt. And the two words that anchor in there are actions and doubt. And it's really kind of questioning. I would love your take on that as you hear that description and that definition of confidence. How do you see it, Heather? How has it helped you? Yeah. I mean, for me, confidence is really getting to a place where I'm not concerned with what other people say or think. I'm concerned and focused on what I believe and think and taking action against that. That is for me. And I think for everybody, it can be a little bit different. People struggle with confidence in different ways. Some people are incredibly impacted by thoughts and values of others and allowing limiting beliefs to be adopted and accepted by others. Other people don't struggle with that as much as they, maybe they're not pursuing their passion. Maybe they're in an accounting and they're destined to be a painter, but they're afraid to make that leap. And what does it mean if they give up on that career they've started? So I believe that confidence is a little different for everyone. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, and I explain this in my book that there are different steps for everyone to create confidence within them. For me, my biggest holdback was having a negative person, I call it a villain, having a villain in your life that is slowly eroding away at your confidence over time. That was happening for me over a decade, working alongside a woman that hated me, wanted to sabotage me, set me up and stab me in the back any way she could. And I used to believe if I turn a blind eye to that and just focus on me and my achievements, I'll be fine. I was wrong. And slowly that was chipping away at my confidence. There are some people out there that don't have villains in their life. In fact, they are their own villains. They're the ones negative self-talking, putting themselves down and allowing themselves to be held back to different beliefs that maybe when they were a child, they weren't good enough or not smart enough. So it's really about digging into what are your individual holdbacks and addressing those in an individual manner. Okay. So you're on stage and you're impacting thousands of women at a time. You know, what's the message that you have, Heather, for those people? You know, like when you get on the stage, what is the one thing that you are trying to accomplish for that audience? Very different everywhere that I go. I'm actually, I'm teaching a class at University of Miami Law School tonight. So, you know, one of the things that I do is before I go into any speech, I like to have a pregame call in regards to who is the audience, what are their struggles and challenges, and how can my experience and expertise benefit them. So on that call for this class that I'm doing tonight, it was all about these are new lawyers entering the workforce. Okay, great. I have two decades of hiring experience and hired thousands of employees. So I'm going to give a very different talk tonight than I would if I was teaching at a sales kickoff meeting for an annual you know, pharmaceutical company. It's going to be very, very different. So it's really about, for me, being a speaker is identifying what needs and wants that audience has and how can my expertise lend value to them and then tailoring that talk around where they are in their path and helping to bring them value so that they can achieve their goals. 
Absolutely. It always has to be value driven. And I, and I appreciate that too. So it's not your agenda. You're saying, you know what, what is the one thing that they need the most right now? And then extending that baton, that's everything. So you made a post recently. You said, I didn't write my first book until I was 43. I didn't start my podcast until I was 44. I didn't do my first TED talk until I was 45. 42, you got fired and you thought it was over. And now it's time for you and you're just getting started. You know, take us into that, like as you're sharing that, somebody that's listening to this episode and they hear that and they think that they're not enough, what can, what do you do to help those people feel a little bit more fearless and give them the power to write the book, launch the podcast, build the company, whatever. Take us into that space for you personally, Heather. Well, for me, it was reframing how I saw fear. I look back over my 20-year track record of success in corporate America and realize I didn't feel afraid very often. That's a problem. So I was allowing myself to spend time in a familiar zone, which is lack of growth. So for two decades, I really wasn't growing exponentially. What I've learned from being fired is feeling petrified and scared means I'm stepping into the unknown. I'm stepping into growth. And I'm stepping into fear. And what I've learned from that first big leap that I took, which was going on the Elvis Duran show, which was really scary to me. And that leap of faith allowed me to hear Elvis say to me, you're writing a book, obviously, Heather. And his belief in me allowed me to realize I should write a book. And then that started me down a path of writing a book. So all these little tiny fear moments have redirected me and sent me into growth opportunities such that I now see fear as a green light that means go. And when I have a moment where I feel afraid about anything, I stop and say, how was my growth back in corporate America? Minimal at best. How's my growth been in the past two years as an entrepreneur? Exponential, massive. And so I know if I'm starting to feel afraid, I'm onto something really good. And it's a green light. It means go and move faster. So that fear is fuel. But I think what you have to do, you have to experience some of that fear, right? And know that it didn't, I mean, it knocked you down, but it didn't keep you down. How do you motivate yourself to get back up? Because that like you're talking, you know, fear, getting back up, facing it and just knowing that you are enough. Yeah. I'd like to look at what's the worst that can happen. I remember the day I was giving my first TED talk, I was very scared. I was nearly paralyzed by it right when I was about to go on stage. And I stopped stopped myself and I had an inner dialogue. If you go out there right now and bomb, I'm going to be so proud of you. If you don't go out on that stage, you're never going to forgive yourself. Wow. And that, that was the only conversation I had to have. And I walked out because I knew even if I went out there and I blew it, so what? You blow it. But I had the balls to go out there and give a TED Talk. Whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, it didn't matter. Now, the good news is my TED Talk is amazing, and I'm so incredibly <laughs> proud of it. But it was that quick conversation I had that lowered the expectations and said, I won't be able to live with myself if I just wave out right now and say, guys, I can't do it. I wouldn't, that's not who I am. I would much rather be the girl that goes out and bombs her TED Talk but had the courage to go out and deliver it. Yeah. What if? Because that what if is worse than anything. Like what if I, you know, wouldn't have done that and had the courage. I love that. And that's, that's very, very powerful. So take us through your entrepreneurial. I mean, the last 24 months, two years, you've had to step out and do this on your own. Give us a picture of what that has looked like for you versus like being in corporate America and having that success. Where are you at now as an entrepreneur? Well, corporate America 
appears to be a very well-lit venue. You know the next move that you need to make to get up that corporate ladder. You know the end goal would be you know, C-suite. You want to be the CEO, the CRO, the CFO, whatever that job is. If you're climbing that ladder, it's very apparent how to get that next step, who you need to meet with. When you start over as an entrepreneur, first I started off as an, as an author. I had never written a book. I didn't know anyone in the publishing world. I didn't know what publishing house to call. I didn't know what printing company to use. I didn't know how to find my voice. You know, people say these different things. So I'm a rookie in an entirely new space. And the only way I was going to figure it out was by trial and error. And sometimes I picked the part, right partners and sometimes I didn't. But what I have learned in business is speed is the new currency. So the most important thing for me as an author was to get published. And when I started looking at the publishing, the traditional publishing route, it was one to two plus years. I didn't have that that window of a couple years to waste in my mind. I needed a product to come to market and to come to market fast. And so that's how I decided I need to self-publish because I can do something faster than a traditional company can. And I was able to self-publish my book in just three months, which was really critical to, to my success and to my evolution. My book led me to figuring out how do you sell books? I Googled it. You speak. (laughs) Okay. That worked out great because I'd spoken for 20 years in corporate America as part of my job as a sales leader. Little did I, I didn't know there was a business where you got paid for speaking because in my old position, that was assumed that you would just speak pro bono. So I, every time I moved forward to accelerate another element of my business, I learned about a new business. So writing the book taught me about the speaking business, which is a multi-billion dollar industry. That led me down to get picked up as a professional speaker by APB speakers, GDA speakers, Harry Walker speaker agency, all these speaker agencies. And that really accelerated my revenue streams. Now I had a multi-pronged revenue stream operation as an entrepreneur, not solely you know, reliant upon the way I had been in corporate America, one revenue stream. I was beginning to diversify. And then I further diversified the company when I added online courses, when I added the podcast. And now, you know, I'm continuing to evolve my speaking business to include workshops and events. So now I have seven different revenue streams. I've added brand partnerships to it. I've added affiliate partnerships. There, I call it the octopus revenue strategy, which is very smart because when you are solely contingent on one paycheck, one revenue stream, someone can take that away from you. And that's really scary. Now I have an eight prong revenue stream. If someone takes one revenue stream away for whatever, you know, whatever happens, something happens and my online courses crash and I lose that and I only have seven, it's a, it's a small hit. It's not a big hit and and you can diversify and evolve quickly. So I really recommend this octopus strategy revenue approach to bring more stability to to any type of um, income. Okay. So then how, as you're describing that, I'm assuming that's a course that you share, Heather, is that something that you teach other people? No, I'm not, you know, it's actually a chapter in my new book, but I, I don't, I did not launch a course around this. This is just good business advice that I've learned as, you know, my my career has been around revenue generation since I, I was 18 years old and and driving sales. And it's one of the things I've learned in the past two years that I wish I had known 20 years ago, because had I known this 20 years ago, I would have had a multi-pronged revenue approach. And the day that I got fired, I, it wouldn't have been a big hit for me because I would have known, oh, I have income coming in anyways, right? So it's something that I want to share with people to educate them. We can't control what happens outside of us, but we can control our strategies that we're implementing. And this is a really smart strategy for anyone to employ. 
Okay. So as people are hearing that, so we have entrepreneurs and business leaders, somebody's hearing that, Heather, they're thinking, how much time has it taken to build an eight-pronged system? Do you have any feedback or input on that? Like, I mean, to describe it, it's one thing, you know, you kind of build something, you have mastery and you kind of extend, but give us some insight on how to do that. What's the timeline in building eight, eight different revenue streams? It took me two years, but it also took me 20 years to only have one. And when you think about that, right, that's kind of profound, right? So it's all about, I was settling for one for 20 years. It took me 20 years to have one revenue stream. It took me two to develop eight. It was really about speed to market, belief in myself, acting on my intuition and moving forward with my gut. And I also mentioned I failed many times. I launched a brand partnership with Perry Ellis International, a multi-billion dollar company, and we were launching a clothing line and we spent a year with different go-to market strategies and you know, evolving different pitches in regards to this very large program that we had and it ended up failing. So there have been moments along the way where I've put a lot of time, effort and initiative into things that haven't worked out, but I've also pivoted from those failures or perceived failures to see and appreciate, wow, that was a micro challenge. It was a headache in a minute, but in the bigger picture, it led me to something much better, much more suited for me. And it's about approaching business that way. If it feels good to you, you feel comfortable, you feel excited, you're probably onto something. If you're getting frustrated and saying, this really isn't my style or this isn't, you know, this isn't the way that I would do it. I'm being stifled by this vendor or partner. These are now clues for me to say, wait a minute, this sounds familiar to another time that I failed with a strategy. Maybe this isn't the right fit. Maybe there's a way I can pivot out of this. Maybe there's a way I can evolve it, or maybe I need to move to another partner. But these are just all learning processes, you know, as you evolve your business, as you evolve as an entrepreneur, and as you evolve into new spaces, which is... I mean, it's critical to the success of your business is to continue to evolve and have new iterations of you and your product line moving forward. It is. Now, the way that you described that too, Heather, it just proves the confidence that you do have because it seems you know yourself so well that you can execute because it takes risk. You know, you have to have confidence to take risk. And it sounds like you've been a big risk taker. How how have you learn to do that? How have you learned to be a risk taker? How have you learned to be in the space that you are today and say, oh my God, in the last 24 months, this is how far I've come. Like, Take us into that space right there because there's a, there's a learning lesson that others need to hear from you. Yeah. I, I go back to my 20 years prior to this where I didn't take risks, right? So it wasn't a big risk to pitch myself for the promotion. If I was told no, I stayed in the job I was in, right? And then I was just back on me to figure out how do I pitch again? So I was risk adverse. Instead, I would go home at night crying, and I remember these nights painfully. I have better ideas than this. They're not listening to me. They're not acting on my great ideas. Why aren't we evolving the business? Why aren't we innovating? I'm bringing great go-to market strategies to the table, and I'm being told no, and I'm going home and crying about it. That's being risk adverse. Taking the risk would be going back to that table the next day in the C-suite meeting and saying, guys, if we're not going to evolve this company, if we're not going to innovate, I'm not meant to be here any longer because I'm meant for bigger things than this. I never had that meeting. I'd have that feeling and that thought, but I never laid it on the table that aggressively. And so what that taught me is that steered me to a place I wasn't meant to be. I'd outgrown that job. I'd outgrown that company. And in fact, I was, I was moving too fast for that company. And what I've learned is now that I move really fast for me, somebody who appreciates that, 
I grow, I evolve, I innovate, and great things happen. So I'm able to look at my own experiences to polarizing opposite experiences of what it's like working for myself versus working for a more traditional institution that thinks very traditionally. And I thrive in a fast-paced environment and I continue to evolve and grow as a result result exponentially. So for me, if I'm not taking risks, I know I'm, I'm leaning back to those old habits that didn't serve me well. And I just have to remind myself about it, observe it, and then, you know, re-strategize and move forward. Okay. So how big is your team? So you have all these, you know, these different moving parts, Heather, you know, where's your support system? Because I think that that's a catalyst too for our success. What does that look like for you and your brand? So one of the challenges when you go out on your own, especially when you're used to having a massive team, you know, I had multiple assistants. I had people that handled my technology, my travel, I had sales managers that reported me across the country. So I had a huge team before. When I started out, it was just me. Then I hired an editor because I needed someone to edit my book. Then I partnered with a publishing company called Scribe because I didn't know how to print books. So along the way, I very slowly add, then I hired someone to help manage my social media because I can't keep up with all the platforms. Then I partnered with a podcasting partner because I didn't know how to podcast. Then I, I got, I landed a speaker agent to handle my speaking business. So along the way, every step, it isn't, I don't hire the person or find the partner first. I move into the space first. I test the water to find out if I'm good at it, if this is something that fits with my brand and with my business. And as I take those steps forward, I begin meeting new people and finding out who are those right support people, team, agent, or otherwise to add and and help me to move forward. And, you know, I'm hearing too, Heather, and people are listening to this episode that's very on point, right? It's very pure with how you've done it. And I think when it's at that level, you know it's going to be a success because, like you said, you you take the risk, you step out, you dip a toe in the water. Is this the one direction I want to go? And if it is, then, yeah, I'm full in. And so you're you're pre-validating, which is huge. And not a lot of people do that. They think they go the other side. They say, okay, I'm going to follow that path because I think I need to do this, this, and this. And you're saying, you know what? I'm kind of being led or I'm called into this space now. I'm going to just try it see what happens. And I think that's why listening to that, just anybody out there who's following a, a system like that of like you first with purity and intention, that's where the success is going to come from. So we're coming into the end of the episode, Heather. Where can we find you? Like, where can we see your TEDx talk? Where can we purchase a book? And um, give us a little bit more about your new show. Sure. So my website is heathermonahan.com and you can find everything there. I'm on social media at Heather Monahan. My TEDx talk, you can go to YouTube and type in Heather Monahan. It comes right up. It's 10 minutes that will change your life. I love it. Uh, my book is on Amazon and Audible. It's called Confidence Creator. And my show is called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. I've had Gary Vaynerchuk on, Sarah Blakely, Jesse Itzler, Ryan Serhant, Caitlin Bristow. I've had some amazing guests. And each week, I just had Busy Phillips on actually this week. Yeah, this just, the show just dropped this morning. And we're talking about her losing her show on E! and how she's reinventing herself as the face of Olay and why she landed a Super Bowl commercial and, you know, what that all looks like. So it's all about overcoming adversity, achieving success, and creating confidence. 
That's what it's all about. That's the bottom line. Hey, thank you for being with us. This was an absolute delight. And to learn more, you can also visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can capture Heather's information and learn more and be part of her circle of influence. And if this episode ignited a spark in you, go over to our Performing Get Paid Facebook group where you can learn and we'll connect and collaborate with you there. So thanks again, Heather. This was absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to uh, sharing this with more people. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, simply visit marlohiggins.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, Get yourself over to marlohiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.